more about that later. But um, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer and just going to dive in. But before I do that, for all the hurting hearts out there regarding your football team, know that I feel for you because not only am I a Cornhusker, I'm a Tennessee fan. For those of you that don't know, we definitely lost. And then I'm also a big uh, Washington Capitals hockey fan. And when you know when none of your teams win, it's just a bad spot to be in. So there's, there's more to life than sports, but sports are cool. But I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer. We're going to dive in and see what God has for us this morning. Well, Lord, uh, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that you're in control. I thank you that despite what we go through in life, that you're with us. And I just pray for our time this morning that no matter what battles we may be facing or what circumstances we may find ourselves in, that there's something real that happens with us this morning when we hear your word, that it just challenges us to the core of who we are. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're on week four of our Invisible Kingdom series, and it's really this whole thought of what if all that we see and we touch and we can see physically right here on this earth is just really something else that's blocking us from seeing something bigger that's going on. It's just like a curtain, like what we see physically and what we can touch physically is actually just a curtain of something bigger that might just be happening around us. And throughout the Bible, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the first part of the New Testament, which is the second half of your Bible, and all throughout those, those books, it's talking about Jesus. And a lot of things that Jesus talked about had to do with God's kingdom, with the kingdom of, of heaven. And Jesus saw that it was very important that his followers understood the reality of there is something bigger going on than what we can see around us. For me, we're doing the same series with our students, and I've, I've, I've tried my best to convey the invisible kingdom, you know, God's kingdom. You know, it's here, but we can't see it. And I've used the analogy of gravity. You know, we all believe in gravity because we see the effects of gravity. We can't physically see gravity, but we know if I have a pen or anything that's heavy, even if it's light as a feather, it's eventually going to, what, fall or float to the ground. So, like, for me, I can't see gravity, but I know gravity's there because I see the effects of gravity. But I can get to the point of saying, you know what, I don't believe in gravity, and then everyone's going to say, you're just crazy. Because just because I don't believe gravity isn't there doesn't mean it isn't, it's because I see the effects of it. And when I think about God's kingdom, we physically can't see this invisible kingdom, but we can see the effects of its presence with love and compassion and hurt and pain. And I don't know about you, but me wanting to have a purpose in life and not just being like everyone else. I don't want to just blend in. Feeling like there's something greater for me out there. That's the effects of the reality that, you know what, God's kingdom is there, just like it is with gravity. There's some key verses that we've been hitting throughout this series, and you can see them right there in your message notes. The first one's from Matthew 6, verse 33. It says this. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So, so it says, Seek this invisible kingdom. Make this a priority in your life above everything else, and you're going to receive everything that you need. And something interesting to me that just stood out about this verse is that it says what I need and not what I want. Because oftentimes we think what we want is what we need, but oftentimes what we need is not what we want. And sometimes our desires and our focuses can be misguided. There's another verse out of 2 Corinthians 4.18 that says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
We don't fix our eyes just on this temporary world. We fix our eyes on what is unseen, God's invisible kingdom. It says, for what is seen is temporary, but for what is unseen is eternal. And my thought from that is, even now in this moment, there's a connection with the eternal, with God's invisible kingdom. I'm going to give you a really quick recap of the first three weeks, in case you missed out. And these podcasts are available online on our website. I would highly encourage you to take time to make it a part of your week to, to listen. Week one, we talked about this whole kingdom reality, of the, just the reality of God's kingdom. That it's there whether I see it, whether I, I believe it, God's kingdom is a reality. God's kingdom is there. Secondly, week two, we talked about kingdom ruler, which is really, you know, who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Who's the king and the Lord of your life? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I know sometimes I want to get up on, on that throne and make the choices I want to make and do what I want to do when I know that I'm not the best king. Who's the ruler? Of your life. Last, last week we talked about kingdom responsibility and how, believe it or not, God, the God, wants people like you and me to be a part of this invisible kingdom. We have this amazing purpose and plan and this huge responsibility that God wants us to do. And this week we're going to be talking about this concept of kingdom rewards. Kingdom rewards. The Bible says a lot about rewards, and you know, there's just one verse that really stood out to me when I was just preparing for this, and it's out of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. It says this. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Who all loves to run? One. <laughs> Two. Three. Four. Okay, good job. I love running. So when I read that, I'm like, yes. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? And it says, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in, in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But it says, but we do it for, a, for an eternal prize. Meaning, there's this whole concept of rewards connected to God's kingdom that aren't about temporary things. It's about things that are eternal, things that will last forever, things that will not fade away. Now, who, who on here just loves being rewarded for stuff? I think all of us do. Who on here ever played any type of little league sport as a kid? Who all loved getting those trophies at the end of the year? All of us did. You know what the cool thing was? Whether you went like 15 and 0 or 0 and 15, you got a trophy. And how cool was that? Even at the end of the games, you know that saying, they would say, you know what? We're all what? Winners. There's no losers. And for me, I'm like, no, there are losers out there because we just beat that team. Why are they getting trophies? It was cool. Rewards. Or the greatest part, when I, I did Little League Baseball and Little League, you know, Little Soccer when I was a kid. The greatest thing was at the end of the game, I didn't care about the score. I cared about the Capri Suns. Come on. And the orange slices. It's good. Rewards. We all love them. And we've talked about this whole concept. You've probably heard Pastor Troy say it over the past three weeks about God's invisible kingdom, about how it's already here, but it's, it's not yet fully if you guys have remembered that. And this whole concept of, of rewards is the same thing, that we already have rewards, but our whole being rewarded is not here fully because of eternity. So it's already here, meaning, you know what, I'm counted as worthy because Jesus died for me, took my place. He's forgiven me of sins and given me a second chance. God has a purpose for me in life here on this earth. And he wants to give me a responsibility to fulfill that purpose like what we talked about last week. And those are rewards here on this earth. But our rewards as far as God's invisible kingdom are not yet fully 
because there's eternity and there's heavenly rewards. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe, maybe God is not really in the picture of your life. And maybe God and you are good, or maybe you're just kind of on the fence. Maybe there's some circumstances in your life that are causing you to question God, question his existence, question your purpose. And I can tell you, I've been there. But I believe, no matter where you are this morning, what we're talking about this morning is something that all of us need to consider and think about. The life we're living and what we are headed toward. Because we all love rewards. I mean, nearly the whole room put up their hand when I said, who all loves rewards? We all love being rewarded for things. But I believe there's this struggle that takes place within us that rewards can sometimes be too much of a focus. Whether it's, it's over spiritual things or whether it's over material things. And I'm going to run you through four things that I think I struggle with. And maybe you'll find yourself relating to these when it comes to rewards and being, being rewarded. I think we often expect rewards. We often expect rewards in life. Because I think just with the culture we live in, we're just wired to expect things, whether it's with your job, whether it's with school, whether it's with sports. We expect more than we really need. And we get to the point where we can expect rewards for things that we should already be doing with our responsibility in life. And I personally think we live in a culture that can cause us to feel like we deserve more than we do. Which is why I have this struggle of, of I oftentimes can expect, I, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or I did this for that person, they should do it for me, or I did this for God, God should come through for me. And we, there's this inward battle and struggle of I expect rewards. Second thing is this, and this is a big one. I think we can confuse rewards with wants, especially when it's connected to me and God's invisible kingdom and the rewards that God wants to give me. Because I sometimes think, think the wants that I have in life are the things that God's going to give me if I'm just obedient. And if I just do what he says, then I'm going to get everything that I want. And I confuse what God really wants to give me with what I think is best for me. That verse we, uh, that we read from Matthew 6, it says, he'll give us everything we need, not everything that we want in life. Because the stuff that we really need is the stuff that we need. And the stuff that we want isn't necessarily bad, but it's probably not stuff that we really need. We sometimes confuse our rewards with our wants. That this thought, and I've been there, it's like, all right, God, I did this for you. I did blank for you, now you do blank for me. You know, God, isn't how this thing works. I do this for you, you do this for me. We have each other's backs. And in a way, that is how God works. But at, at, the, at the same time, that's not even close to how God, God, God works. We confuse our rewards with our wants. The third thing is this when it comes to rewards, whether it, it's with God's rewards with the invisible kingdom or it's just with rewards here in this world, I think we can struggle with patience. Because we live in a culture that's all about instant gratification. Like, I want what I want, and I want it now. And if I don't have instant gratification, it's not even worth waiting for. We struggle with patience. When sometimes the best things come for those who learn the art of waiting and being patient especially when it's connected to our invisible kingdom and what God wants to do. Waiting and being patient. The fourth thing is this, and this is something that I can find myself doing more times than I want to admit, is we can get, we get caught up in performance when it comes to being rewarded in life. Whether it's, it's with God or whether it's with people in my life, we get caught up in performing. Good performance equals what? Good rewards, right? And bad performance means negative consequences, which is not rewards. And we get in this inward struggle that if I'm not careful, 
I get on this endless cycle of trying to please people and then trying to please God and trying to perform from people and trying to perform for God. I want to perform to be blessed. And nobody wants to be on that endless cycle of trying to be good enough for God and trying to be good enough for people. Because I don't know about you, but I'm probably not going to be good enough for the people in my life. And I'm definitely not good enough for God on my own apart from what Christ has done for me. And I, I think that there's all these struggles that we can have when it comes to being rewarded in life, especially when it comes to this invisible kingdom. But I do have a question this morning, and I'm kind of going to take this rewards thing down a different path that you may have not expected, but it, it all connects. Now, are rewards important in life, especially when it's connected to this invisible kingdom and God? And absolutely. God wants to bless you and me in ways that we can't even imagine and understand. Are the rewards important? Absolutely. But I would argue that our focus and our, our motivation should never be on the reward itself. I think what's most important is our motivation to be a part of God's kingdom, which in due time we get all these amazing rewards from God that we never deserved. What lies beneath the surface? What's the motivation to be rewarded for being a part of God's kingdom? We're going to take a look at this parable. Now, parables are cool because there's these stories that Jesus would tell to try to convey a spiritual principle to the group of people that he was with. So he would tell, you know, some analogy. And when the people heard it, they're like, oh, okay, now I understand what you're saying. So this is what is taking place here. And my goal is to find ourselves in this parable this morning. It's called the parable of the vineyard workers. And the whole question this morning is rewards are great. God wants to bless us in more ways than we even know. But the real question is, underneath, underneath the surface, is what is my motivation for that? And the first thing is this. We've got to understand that our motivation to be rewarded for being a part of God's kingdom, it flows from gratitude. It flows from gratitude. Now, gratitude and being grateful is a very, very powerful thing. Something that I don't think I experience enough of, and I can really struggle with it. We're going to pick up this parable. It's, it's out of Matthew chapter 20. It says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the, the, normal, daily ra- the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. Which I hate when I see people standing around doing nothing. That's just how I'm wired. So he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So Jesus, you know, is standing on a, on a hillside, addressing this huge crowd of people, trying to get them to understand a principle, a spiritual principle about God's invisible kingdom. And he tells them about this landowner. And this landowner went like, into this market and saw all these guys standing around doing nothing. Now, the thing about back then, if you were standing doing nothing in a market, there was a good chance you had no job and no opportunity and no work. And the reason you were standing in the market was hoping that someone would come by and hire you. So this landowner is walking through, sees these guys standing there, obviously have no work, no job. They only had hope that somebody would give them an opportunity. And they probably weren't the best. They probably weren't the brightest. They probably weren't the most skilled because all those guys had already been picked up and were out working. And they were in need. And you know these guys had to be filled with gratitude when this, this landowner said, I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you. Because everyone else that had come through that market had, had overlooked them. 
And all of a sudden, somebody noticed them, and someone's giving them an opportunity, and they're filled with gratitude. Wow, somebody's giving me an opportunity. I'm in need. I am grateful. And you got to know that was a great gift. And the cool part is that there were rewards connected with the opportunity that this landowner was giving them. And we're going to find out what that is. But what were they going to do about it? Now think about your life. And I'm thinking about mine. When was the last time you were really grateful for something? You were in need and that need was met. Whether it was, it was financially, whether it was physically, whether it was spiritually, whether it was emotionally. Something inside of you needed support. Something needed to change, and that need was met, and you felt grateful. I know for me, growing up, uh, it was really easy to take free meals for granted at my parents' house growing up. And, you know, I've been here over three and a half years now, and I've learned how to cook pretty well so I can take care of myself. But at the time... I was not grateful for the food I, I had. I'd come home from school or from soccer, and there's magically food on the table, and I just think it comes from nowhere, when my mom was probably slaving in the kitchen just to prepare food for the family, to where now I'm out on my own, and all of a sudden you realize you have to learn how to take care of yourself. You have to learn how to eat right. Food doesn't just magically appear when you get home. Like when I get home, there's not food on my table. I have to cook it myself. You know what I'm talking about? So for me, and I'm not trying to get a plug in here with like trying to get free food. Don't hear me wrong on this. But you guys are an amazing church, so when you choose to bless me with a free meal, it's like, holy cow, this is amazing. Because I was never grateful for that. Compared to now, I realize that there's need and the need's being met, and I am grateful because I realize there's something in my life that I need and other people can help me with it. Now, I know that's a kind of a stupid example, but it's, it's true. I took things for granted. But think about your gratefulness toward God. You know, it's funny to think about my gratefulness toward a free meal, but how about our gratefulness toward, toward God? Does, being, does me and you being a part of this invisible kingdom and receiving rewards have anything to do with gratitude toward the king? Absolutely. It's the foundation. Me being grateful for what God has done for me. And maybe we aren't grateful to be a part of his kingdom because deep down inside we don't realize our need for the king. And we have no gratitude for what he's done for us. And we have no gratitude for what Jesus has done for us because we don't realize our, our need or we haven't experienced being in a place of brokenness of realizing I need what the king is offering me. Gratitude. Our motivation for receiving rewards, it flows from gratitude. It's not focused on the reward, but the reward is great, but it's focused on the king. I'm, I'm grateful for all you've done for me. There's this really cool verse out of Luke 7. Uh, Jesus is walking around, and there's this, 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 this lady who's made a lot of bad relational decisions, and she's found herself in a really rough spot, and all these people are judging her and accusing her, and Jesus steps in. And he says something along the lines of, you know, he who, he who hasn't sinned, let him throw the first stone. And it says everyone drops their rocks because they realize they've all made mistakes and sin. And then he looks at this woman and he says, I, I forgive you. Which the woman could easily, like, my, oh, cool, you know, thanks. But the, the lady realized the bad spot she was in and the mistakes that she had made. And her response was gratitude. It says this. I, I love this verse. It says, she was forgiven many sins. She is very, very grateful. 
if the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. So from what I get with that verse about God's invisible kingdom and us being rewarded and our motivation to be a part of that is the amount we understand just how much we have been forgiven will directly connect with the amount of gratefulness I have toward the king. If I feel like God's forgiven me little, I'm not going to be very grateful for who he is and what he can do and what he's done for me. But if I realize God has forgiven me for the rebellion that I have done and the mistakes that I've made, I am grateful much because of what he has done. Our motivation for, for rewards for God's kingdom really begins with understanding God has forgiven us much. Despite my mess-ups, despite my rebellion, despite my selfishness, despite my turning back on him, he still chooses us to have a place and a purpose and a calling in his kingdom. And I don't know about you, but for me, that fact alone makes me grateful, not for the rewards, but even though the rewards are amazing, it makes me grateful that despite what I've done, I have a place in his kingdom. The the living God, the, the holy God wants me to have a place and a purpose in his kingdom here on this earth. Gratitude flows from that. Second thing is this. Our motivation for rewards when it comes to God's kingdom, it's going to be found in humility. It's going to be found in humility. As this parable continues, so you know, this landowner went out, hired all these workers, and they went out and worked. And this is where we picked up uh, the story. It says, that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you've paid us who've worked all day in the scorching heat. Ever feel like God just hasn't come through for you? Because that's pretty much what these guys are saying. That's what Jesus is trying to get across here. I've worked all this time, and this is what you pay me. You pay the people that worked seven hours less than me, the same amount that, that you paid me. After all I have done for you, this is what I get. This is what I deserve. God, I've, 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 I've done so much good for you. You're not coming through for me for what I think I need. And the reality is life is extremely fragile. And there's going to be times where it's going to feel like God has not come through for us. And our response is going to be, after all I've done, this is what you've given me. This is not fair. And it feels like it's not fair. And that's what these workers are expressing. And the truth is this. Life is very fragile. Life will a lot of times seem not fair. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to believe that God's sovereign and God knows what he's doing despite what I think and what I believe needs to happen. The truth is that the reward is for me, but it's not about me. I will be grateful for what I'm given this guy named Paul that wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. He was just an awesome guy. He planted all these churches and impacted so many people. He said something along these lines. He said, I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to be in need. In other words, whatever my reward, whatever the king sees as best for me, I am humbled to accept what I am given by the king 
because I know it's all about him and it's all for him. It's not about me and for me. And we're going to experience situations in life where we're going to be challenged to trust the king with what he's doing. And there's going to be times where we're going to feel like, God, I've done all this for you and I've performed all this for you and I've pushed all these things to the side for you and you're not coming through and I don't know why life happens like that sometimes, but I know that whether we have plenty or whether we're in need, we're content with trusting that the king knows what is best. We're humble. There's this group of people in the Bible that I really don't like. Like, I'll read through the Bible. You like most people in the Bible because you, you can relate. And I don't like these guys because I feel like I relate to them too much. It's these people called the Pharisees. And these people were all about pride, and they were all about show, and they were all about people knowing that they were following God, knowing they were passionate about God, and they wanted everyone to know their place in the kingdom. So if they were helping someone in the street, they would get everyone's attention, and then they would help the person. Because their reward was found in the attention that they were receiving, not in the honor that God was getting. And I look at that, and I look at my life, and I'm like, I feel like I struggle with that sometimes. They were not humble. But there's this verse out of Matthew 6. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front, of, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Rewards. So when you give to the needy, do not, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets. Hypocrites in this verse is talking about the Pharisees, that group of prideful people. Don't do it like them to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. They want attention. That's what they're getting. It says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. It says, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That rewards and humility are connected. Me honoring the King and being humble is directly connected with being rewarded by the Father. And the Pharisees were all about being noticed. They were all about being seen for their passion and their religious position. And that was all that they wanted, a shallow desire to feel better than everyone else. They struggled with humility. It was all about them. But the Bible says, our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward. The King honors humility. The King rewards humility. Making everything about the King and for the King rather than about us and for us, that whether we are known, noticed, or seen by people, we honor God in everything, because it's all focused on humility. So the question for us is, will we be like the Pharisees, wanting others to see us, at the, see us as the main event, as the center of attention, as the, 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 the star of the show, as a spotlight, or will I be humble, making my life about the King? knowing everything is about him, and knowing that true reward will come when I make my life about him. I'm not going to showboat things. I'm going to be humble. Reward is directly connected with humility, but this is key. But when, where, and how I receive my reward is up to the king. And I have to trust him with that. That our rewards, the things that God wants to do, not only in our time here on this earth, but more importantly, in, in eternity, are great. Don't mishear me. Our rewards are great. God has gifts he wants to give us, whether we deserve them or not. 
But what is our motivation to be a part of this kingdom to receive those rewards? Motivation, it's found in humility, which flows from gratitude. You've done so much for me. What can I do to give back to my king? I surrender my life. The last thing is this. Talking about being rewarded. And third thing is this, and this may kind of catch some people off guard, but hopefully it'll make sense. My motivation for reward focuses on others. You know, like we said, the rewards are for me, but they're not about me. Meaning, you know what, it's, it's about the king, and it's about his kingdom, and it's about the people that are in his kingdom. That's where my reward is found. This uh, parable, it goes on to say this. So this is after these workers come back. They find out, we worked all that time, and we got the same pay from people who work less than us. And they're furious because they're questioning their king, and they're doubting their king. And they're like, what is going on? And this is where we pick up. It says, he answered one of them. This is, this is the landowner, and it's supposed to be representing God. He says, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Meaning, is it wrong for someone who's sovereign and in full control to call the shots that he thinks is best for you? Who are you questioning what I'm doing? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. In other words, this landowner was saying, why do you think you're better than anyone else? I'm just as concerned for you as I am concerned about the others in my kingdom. That what happens to those around us is just as important as what happens to us. That we all have this unique place and this unique role in God's invisible kingdom, but so does everybody else. We're no better or greater than those around us. And I would hope at some point that my motivation for being rewarded in God's kingdom would be completely focused on other people. Because our real reward is this. It's in seeing the king change somebody's life. Our real reward is seeing people find their purpose in God's kingdom, the purpose that they were created for. Our real reward is seeing seeing others find their place with the king. That is an eternal reward. That is never going to fade away. Worship team can go ahead and come up. There's this great verse out out of Proverbs, and it ties perfectly into what we're talking about. My motivation for rewards is focused on other people. It says this, the generous will prosper. It says those who refresh others will themselves be be refreshed. Another translation, it says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. The one who blesses others is abundantly rewarded. And I'm not talking about material, material rewards, a money or a new car or a new house or a better girlfriend or a better boyfriend. I'm talking about eternal rewards. Those who bless others will be abundantly blessed and rewarded. That our real reward is found in the people around us. 
my real reward and our real reward is found in the reality that we are able to give of ourselves for the sake of others without expecting anything in return because that is exactly what Christ did for you and for me. That is where the reward is found. So ask yourself this morning, what is my motivation? Not just for rewards, but what is my motivation for being here on a Sunday morning at a church? What is my motivation for being a part of God's kingdom? What is my motivation for being interested in the things of God? Am I interested in just what I feel like God can give me? You know, if, if I'm just good enough or if I perform enough, and then I'll do this for God and God will do this for me. I'll get everything that I want, even though what I want may not be what's best for me. Or is the fact that you and I have a place in the kingdom and we are sons and daughters of the king good enough for us? That is the only reward that we really need, one that we don't deserve. The real reward is I get to the point when I have to get others to the king so they can experience what the king can do in their life. That's where the reward is found. To hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come home. That's where our reward is found. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you financially. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you with awesome things that are only temporary because he, he does. Every good father does. But for the things that really matter, for the people that God has placed in your life and that need to know the king and need to know their place in the kingdom. And maybe that's you this morning. And the greatest reward that God can do for you is what he's already done through Jesus on the cross. Because the Bible says that Jesus took our place for our sins and our rebellions. He was crucified and put to death. And it says three days later, he was risen. And it's because of that sacrifice that Christ made that we have forgiveness of sins. We have an eternal relationship with God. And we get to spend eternity with him in heaven. And we get to have an amazing purpose here on this earth in God's kingdom. I just want you guys to shut your eyes for me. And I don't know where everyone is in here this morning, but maybe you're here today. The greatest reward, because all rewards are, are gifts. The greatest gift and reward that the king has ever given you and I is the gift of his son, Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you aren't in right standing with Jesus, who we heard two weeks ago is the king of this kingdom. Maybe you don't know your place in the kingdom, and today you can know your place and your part of coming to the end of yourself and saying, I want to be grateful for what God has done for me. I want to know my place, my purpose in his kingdom. If you feel like that's you this morning of saying, I don't know where I am with the king, I don't know my place in the kingdom, but something inside of me wants to know. I just want you to raise your hand for me so I can know to pray for you. And the second group is, you know, maybe you and the king are good. 
but there's something about what we've heard today that has challenged us and our motivation to be a part. Maybe it had to do with being grateful for what God has done for you and what God is blessing you with. And we get so caught up in things that aren't going right in our lives and we forget everything that is right and will always be right. Maybe it had to do with humility and knowing your place in God's kingdom. Maybe it had to do with focusing on others because that is where our true reward is found. If you feel like that might be you, I just want you to raise your hand for me so I can know to pray. God, this morning, I just pray for that, that first group, God, that raised their hands of saying, I don't know my place in the kingdom. I don't know my standing with the king. I pray for every one of those people, God, that in this moment, they would see what Jesus has done for them. He has taken their place and paid their price. And he wants to give them a place in their kingdom, and he wants to begin that relationship with the king today. Maybe so, God. And I pray for that second group that was just challenged today about their personal motivation for being a part of your kingdom and being rewarded. Whatever it is within them, God, that they feel you challenging and, and feel you pointing at, God, I pray that here in these next few moments, God, as we put our focus and attention on you and worship, that you do something that only you, the king, can do. We ask these things in your name.